Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm silencing my phone. Wait a second. Holding okay, on, I'm holding good. on. Too late. Damn it! We're already going. Suck it up, motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so once again, we are uh, doing our year in review. This is part two. Part one, we uh, we did uh, news stories with Brute joining us. And so for part two, we are talking superhero movies, and Chris is joining us. Once again, we figured Thanks. it was... Uh, time that chris got a chance to defend himself thanks for having me buddy yeah, we, we, yeah, should, we should have done this a long time ago but we should have because we talk shit about so many people and we figured we got to get them on the podcast now we just have to find a way to get rich on the podcast well, i think first we need to pay his phone bill yeah he still does i actually checked last <laughs> night not receiving calls not receiving calls right now hold on i'm gonna do it real quick right here that she's not receiving calls if you and if you if he picks up i'm gonna hang up on him it'll be so freaking sweet because then his phone probably gonna die soon after that right you're, you gonna, just, you're gonna burn all his minutes i'm gonna burn all his minutes <laughs> prank calling this kid oh it's not in error please hang up and try your call yeah sure yeah it doesn't work <laughs> it's a different it's a different recording this time different recording Ooh. living off the grid that's uh yeah. that's the dream for most people living off the grid in the, one of the most wealthiest cities on the planet it's amazing so like i mentioned like, we're gonna be talking about the 2017 superhero movies so specifically we are looking at as I pull up the list here, Justice League, Thor, Ragnarok, Wonder Woman, Logan, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Spider-Man Homecoming. Just the, the big, the big swinging dicks of superhero movies. And yep. maybe we'll talk about the little swinging dicks if we want. Where all the, where all the big money bags are, we're going to be talking about. Sacks of fucking cash. Yep. The big franchises. So, yeah, the way we're going to do this, just so you guys aren't completely confused, is that we're going to talk about each movie in the release date order. So, you know, starting in January and working our way through. And we have ranked all six of these films based on our personal tastes. So as we get to each film, we're going to talk about uh, where we ranked them and some just some general thoughts on the movie. Oh, yeah. So we're going to start with the first movie. Go ahead. Who wants? You, you can start, Andrew. Count us down. All right. So the first one we come across this year, uh, I mean, there is Lego Batman which is in february but the first big one we're going to talk about is logan uh coming out march 3rd of this year what a first one that was wow yeah it was that that was a surprising movie um it's third on my list it is it is way 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 up on number one on my list that was just an emotional and crazy violent movie that i absolutely loved so it was my number one of the year it was it was tougher on everything else coming out to kind of top that i actually agree with chris it's my number one also one because i liked the way it was filmed two i liked the tone three performances were really good and i remember like halfway through the movie going i really enjoy this i'm really liking this this is good. I never think that about superhero movies. No, you sometimes. don't. Sometimes. <laughs> I like I enjoy I will say the third act with the clone Logan and the whole kids living off the grid in Dakota I thought was weird, but for the most part, if you could forgive that, I thought I really enjoyed this one i thought it was really great yeah i thought the logan clone was weird but i think just like the strength of the movie overpowers that kind of odd thing that we saw but even with the clone logan i really liked the kind of weird baby mannerisms that it had because he wasn't a full human he was just like born just a couple of minutes ago and stuff about that was kind of off-putting and weird to see and i really enjoyed that yeah I, the only reason it doesn't go higher is for me is that is that third act just goes <laughs> just goes kind of dumb weird places it does man it does you're talking i've everyone i've talked to about that is people judge logan based on how they metabolized the third act yeah i mean don't get me wrong i really enjoyed it but it was one of those like holy shit holy shit holy shit holy shit (laughs) i did absolutely love at the very end when we're introduced to like the main bad guy the doctor that was kind of talking about his crazy plan to you know kill all the mutants off and he's like halfway through his big diabolical speech and he just gets domed in the fucking head yeah that was that was i let out a huge laugh during that and i thought that was really good i always think that movies need to do that more often because when a character starts to give a speech like that i'm immediately transported to the scene late in the good the bad and the ugly where tuco is taking a bath and some guys got him at gunpoint and he's given this speech and Tuco just shoots him to death and you go if you're gonna shoot shoot don't talk and, <laughs> and when movies do that I'm like oh finally someone watched The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly well, so you... I feel like John Wick too did that the same thing like had just uh, just shoot the motherfucker type of scene oh yeah you... that was the whole movie well, so <laughs> the you, whole you guys, John Wick. 
You guys go to those. I go to the Incredibles. You sly dog. You got me monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so I think every, I, most everyone really enjoyed Logan. I, I can't think of someone who I spoke to who was like, fuck this movie. Like, nobody was really mad at it. Yeah, big thing that I was kind of this year looking in superhero movies was if I liked the overall theme of it, if it had like a solid theme, it wasn't just kind of sugary uh, bad guy beat-em-ups and the whole theme with Logan that it was just like multiple different types of family. Like you see the relationship between uh, Logan and Professor X and then you see the weird like husband-wife relationship of Caliban and Logan and then later on with him and X-23. I thought that was just... It was a for a big superhero movie. It was a very small yet powerful type of theme, and I think that's that's definitely one of the reasons why I kind of ranked it so high. It was very relatable. Well, you know, it's one and of those all things. All on a budget of ninety-eight million. Yeah, that's it. That <laughs> is impressive. It's one of those things. We're in an era where superhero movies need to start taking risks and doing things differently because we've been doing, especially Marvel. We've been doing Marvel more or less the same way for ten years, and if we don't, you're going to get burned out and you're going to suck. Yep. And I think we are starting to see that quite a little bit. There was one movie that I, uh, on this list, that I do think was stuck in a little bit of the past, but we'll uh, cross that bridge when we get to it. But I think Logan was definitely definitely a kind of a step in the right direction where it was uh, had a more nuanced theme, and most importantly is kind of the view of one singular person instead of just like a corporate boardroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Chris, we, we may actually be hitting that uh, that next film uh, here, uh, that, that film you're mentioning next here, because uh, next on the list is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, coming out on May 5th of this year. Mm-hmm. Did, did I guess that right? You did not, no. Oh! Ah, brick. You totally bricked on that one. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Nothing but backboard. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy 2, even though... I don't know, I was going back and forth with it because there were some things that I thought it did better than the first Guardians of the Galaxy and some things that I thought did, it did a lot worse. Um, well, maybe not a lot worse, but kind of minuses on it. One thing that it definitely did better was the uh, choice of villain in it. Uh, Kurt Russell as Ego the Living Planet, which is such a weird and wonderful concept for a villain, and they played it out completely. Uh, exactly like you'd see in the Marvel comics when it was, it's literally a pla- person that's a planet and it did so much better than uh, the first Guardian of the Galaxy movie, which was just your kind of Marvel villain of the week du jour type of thing. So I thought just Kurt Russell's performance alone was really great. He had a, it was a great performance and he had a kind of a weird motivation and um even though it did, um, I think just because Guardians of the Galaxy 2, the first Guardians of the Galaxy kind of tread ground in the kind of Hollywood, modern, humorous blockbuster, it kind of had a little more of that, but, and so, that was a little tiring, but I overall enjoyed the movie. So Chris, where do you put this on your list? I ranked that as uh, number five out of six, actually. Number five out of six, okay. Uh, yeah. I, put, I put it at number four. <laughs> I enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy. I think after a while, though, I got really tired of getting beaten over the head with the idea of this is family. This movie's about family, goddammit. <laughs> oh, yeah. After a while, I was like, okay, okay, I get the point. Stop hitting me. We're going, yeah, we're going from family to abusive family here. <laughs> well, he was an abusive father. So, well, you find out that he was, you know, abusing the entire galaxy or about to. He wasn't abusing but... it. He was fucking it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, what, what I liked about so it—that that, that moment he was hysterical. It, that he fucked it as Kurt Russell, no matter right. what species he banged, he was always Kurt Russell. He didn't change, change forms. He was and just it was Kurt like, Russell. And it was like classic, like Starman era Kurt Russell too. Oh, yeah. like, it was so, it was so good. Yeah, there was that. You know, in the second act, there was that huge long stretch where it just—it was just the ego and Star Lord bonding, and that it did seem to drag a little bit, but. I think overall, the fact that this was a more like character drama in character piece, I should say, instead of like a big 
huge shooty blockbuster the way the first one was. I thought that was uh, kind of an interesting take on it. I didn't I, I didn't see the first one because I hated the trailers, and I, so I didn't even bother with it. I sat through this one. I think I agree with Chris that Kurt Russell's performance, actually the performance of the like ancillary characters is what I enjoyed the most. Um, Kurt Russell, the cameos from... Sylvester Stallone, the blue guy with the fin on his head. Yondu. Oh, he was was phenomenal. Who is actually uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer for those who are interested in serial killer movies. (laughs) <laughs> that guy put his girlfriend in a briefcase. Um, but the rest of the, the, the core cast, just what's his name? Uh, not Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt. Is it Chris Pratt? Okay, it is yeah, Chris you're Pratt. You're thinking you're, you're getting Chris Pratt and Chris Pine mixed up. But that's I Chris, am get, mixing those two up. It's it is Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. I, don't, I don't find him a particularly interesting leading man. So that the Guardians themselves don't do anything for me. The humor was uh, it's just not my kind of humor. Although at times I thought, uh, Batista was actually pretty good. Uh, and I agree with Andrew that the, the kind of, you know, clubbing of the, this is family, this is this. Like, we just talked about how Logan did different styles of families with kind of care and nuance. And Guardians of the Galaxy did them with a Mack truck. And yeah. I think by... It was certainly end, more of a blunt movie, yeah. By the end, by the major battle sequence, and this is what happens with most superheroes when I watch them, I was just rooting for Ego. Because he was the only one I cared about. I I absolutely love the scene that I come back to most in this movie. You're right. It is a little kind of ham fisted, but it did have some kind of fun, genuine kind of character shining through, especially right at the end when kind of Yondu saves Star-Lord from uh, Ego, the, the whole planet blowing up and just looks at him and it is like shit kicker accent. He's like, he may be your father, but he ain't your daddy. And that just, that tore my heart apart like crazy. I love that weird little moment coming from him. No, I mean, there were some, <clears throat> there's some really great moments in the, uh, in the movie. I love when, uh, Yondu and Rocket are in the jail cell and they keep sending Groot to go get the fucking Finn and he just mm-hmm. comes back with bizarre shit. <laughs> Like the human, like toe. yeah, the toe. He's like, please tell me you have a drawer somewhere that's just full of toes. Nope. But not with nail polish. Right. Just gotta say, not with nail polish. Right. That that, but that he can get you. He can get you that by two o'clock. By two, by two o'clock. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I actually oscillated where I wanted. I'm actually in agreement with both of you guys. I oscillated. I think I settled on putting it in four, but I almost had it in five. So I actually don't think. I think we're basically in the same we're all, range. We're all my, in my bottom, yeah, my bottom three are, are kind of clustered together. Like my bottom three are in no particular order. My top three are, but yeah, yeah. that was basically. I think I settled on four. Yeah, and I, I should just note that you know I ranked this kind of number five out of six, but none of these movies that came out this year I would put below like the badness line, you know, because I was able to rank them pretty easily in terms of, you know, which one I enjoyed more or related to more. I wouldn't say any of like, even though I'm rating this like five out of six, I wouldn't say it was bad. I did enjoy and I did like a lot of what it was kind of kind of putting forth. But um, yeah, it, it's just there were four other ones that I enjoyed more than this. And that was kind of where this movie stood. Yeah. All right. So thankfully, we're going to skip over Transformers last night because apparently, um, <laughs> I think they're co- I think they're going into diminishing returns with the um, how much money those movies are making now. So hopefully, hopefully we should see uh, the death knell of that sometime soon. Hopefully, or if not, I'm going to take a dump and film that and put it out and see how much yeah. money I can make. Call it Transformers and see. <laughs> no, the uh, but the next one is July 28th, and that is Spider-Man: Homecoming, which I forgot to put on my list at first because I found. <laughs> I forgot this movie came out. So this is this is actually fifth on my list. Mm. I enjoyed it. There's just something about Spider-Man that I kind of go, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, In a good way or a bad way or just a kind of ambivalent way? Just kind of an ambivalent way. I'm like, okay, They're like, hey, look, new Spider-Man movie. I'm like, okay. And I watch it and I go, yeah, that was a Spider-Man movie. That was fine. Because you have so many of them. Well, that's, that's I, I, think of the that, I think that's part of it. Also, I think... With the exception of, um, oh fuck, who plays the villain? Michael Keaton. Yeah, with the exception of Michael Keaton's performance, which I think was spectacular, um, this really feels like like the Marvel formulaic, like real heavy, like, hey, we got Spider-Man finally, let's not fuck this up, so let's follow the formula to the fucking letter. Yeah. And it was like, okay, it, it, it's nothing special. So so it, it, it's fifth on my list. It was number four on mine, and I don't know what you guys' are, uh, opinions on this was, but I think making this movie just an outright comedy, it gave it kind of a decent tone because 
Um, I wouldn't rank this above the the Raimi movies, but it definitely felt like an enjoyable type of movie. I, as- and... I assume you're excluding Spider-Man 3 there. <laughs> well, that was... Yeah, that was actually I like almost... exactly where my head went. I was like, it's <laughs> gotta be better than 3. I think, was... uh, I, th- I think that's... I think that's 1 and 2 uh, is fine. I thought 2 was kind of dumb, but it's gotta be better than 3. Yeah, no, it's... I think, I think that's a... Un, you don't need to say that anymore. I think people are kind of just like in comics, how if something stupid happens, fans just kind of don't talk about it and will it out of existence like most century stuff. I think people are just kind of willing Spider-Man 3 out of existence only, only to bring it up to make fun of Peter Parker's emo dancing. Yeah. But yeah, no, I do. But but speaking of the Raimi movies, I do think Tom Holland was the best Spider-Man that we've seen on screen so far and much better than Tobey Maguire. Because Tobey Maguire put in a decent, weird performance, but Spider-Man never really felt like a kid when he played him. And I think Tom Holland kind of takes the good, awkward aspects that Tobey Maguire brought and uh, kind of made it better, for lack of a better term. This Spider-Man fell to three on my list when I remembered it was actually made. It almost didn't make it because I, I in the end, I felt the film was somewhat forgettable. But, How can you forget about Michael Keaton in that? But film? that was That's that just... was exactly it. Is Michael Keaton's performance alone puts it in, in number three? Is he was such a powerful presence in the film, and he made me want to watch it. And he was a villain that made sense. And they are so hard to come by in these type of movies. And the scene with him, uh, Keaton, Holland, and the daughter in the car is so well done. And it was so, for me, it felt so atypical of superhero films that it really does knock this film up a couple levels. This is actually the, the line I draw was everything below this. I did not enjoy this one. I was like, ah, I agree with Andrew. It's like, oh, it's a Spider-Man movie. Well, so, uh, your ba- my- so your badness line is right below Spider-Man. Correct. You know, um, I would say Michael Keaton yeah. makes a lot of movies enjoyable. I- thinking back to like the RoboCop movie from a couple years ago that yeah. was not a particularly good movie but I'm going yeah yeah Michael Keaton I want to see more of you again yeah it really is something um I love that this as, was a yeah sorry as far as actors who have played Spider-Man I I didn't see the was it Garfield Spider-Man movies yeah. um I thought Holland's okay I just think Maguire is a really good actor I had a family member who worked with him in a movie called Wonder Boys and had nothing but great things to talk say about Maguire's acting skills so I don't think I'm going to put Holland above Maguire as a Spider-Man yet. Um, oh, and I agree with Andrew. The overall plot is super Marvel. And I was what I disappointed me was that, correct me if you guys remember this differently, but the Marissa Tomei from Civil War was like the hot aunt. And the Marissa Tomei in Homecoming was a little more homely looking. Did anyone notice not that a, change? Not, not at all. No, she was super hot in this movie too. In fact, there was uh, someone made a joke in the movie about how hot Aunt May was in this. I, I thought she was. So I, I think I, I think they they tried to make her a little bit more like awkward and like not dress attractive. But mm-hmm. No, but she's still she's still really good looking in this movie. Look, don't get me wrong. I think Marissa Tomei is gorgeous always, but there's some she there her, something about her in Civil War was far more impactful than her in Spider Man. And I don't know what happened there. Uh, and other than that, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I did. I did like the overall theme of this Spider-Man because especially when comparing it to other superhero movies that are kind of big and epic scale, this one was more Spider-Man has to stop uh, arms dealers, which is what Michael Keaton's character was doing. Yeah, and, and I like that more too. I agree with you there. Yeah, and the fact that the other overall theme was, you know, Spider-Man was kind of biting off more than he can chew. And then he eventually got that suit that was doing everything, that was doing all like Iron Man stuff, and that ended up kind of screwing him over at the end. I thought that was just a really solid theme. I thought that was... But nevertheless, this is a superhero movie made by Marvel, so something big has to fall out of the sky. It uh, still I, happened. I was so, I was like throwing my fist in the air when they were going to Coney Island and when they like cut the parachute drop in half because that's uh, where I used to live for a good amount of time. So I was like, ah, hell yeah. And I actually saw it around Coney Island too. I think I was in Sheepshead Bay at the time. So everyone was like nervously uh, tugging their collars. It was like, ugh. That was really great. But, uh, yes. but yeah, to... To Joseph's point, Michael Ke- that Michael Keaton scene in the car, the big close-up on his like craggly face as he's slowly like 
at first he's kind of inquisitive about everything going on. He's trying to put two and two together, but when he figures it out, he has that big grin and he's like, good old Spider-Man. I thought I just that love was... he does it in five minutes in the front seat of a car. Yeah. Uh, and that, 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 that's, I think that is And then he one... pulls the gun out. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, there's a gun. Yeah, no, he's, he was, it's crazy to say that the Vulture is the best movie villain of this year, but he, for lack of a better term, he is that with a bullet. Yeah, I, I, actually, that's a, that's a fair statement to make. Right, so we, we inadvertently skipped one. We didn't, uh, accidentally skipped Wonder Woman because the, the website that dude sent us to sucks dick. It does. Um, so Wonder Woman came out in, on, the fuck did that just go? I just had it. June 2nd of this year. Uh, oh, and, was and that is actually second on my list. Mm. I, I really, yeah, I really enjoyed Wonder Woman. Up, up until the last... 15 minutes when it got like uber uber Zack Snydery, I was totally behind it. And even then it was like it it worked, it just was super Zack Snydery and I kind of go, "Ah, eh, okay, Zack Snyder." It uh definitely had kind of that grayish looking feel of Zack Snyder of a Zack Snyder movie, but I don't think it matches the tone of a Zack Snyder movie cuz I I put this as number 2 as well. And, you know, a lot of people are calling this the best kind of modern DC movie, which I would agree with. And I think it's because... At least it, since the Nolan films. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, you consider sh- Nolan not modern. <laughs> 2005, it, not modern. I mean, this is a new direction right after the Nolan movie, so I would consider that, like, kind of the new... Even, I wouldn't even consider that a part of these movies just because that was its own thing. It was uh, kind of a singular direction um you would even but... say it's better than man of steel oh yeah absolutely absolutely better than man of steel. Okay. uh just because it hit it hit a good point of having an interesting theme and giving a portrayal that the fans can get behind i think where man of, you know man of steel catches a lot of flack and i think that it was beginning to go into interesting territory but just the portrayal was just left a kind of a sour taste in everyone's mouth where you kind of see where they were going for but i kind of i think if we speaking of man still chris i think you're onto something i think if we'd gotten an actual no shit superman sequel that expanded on man of steel instead of trying to go into batman versus superman i think we'd look back on man of steel a little bit more uh favorably i I was funny i i agree with the sentiment that they made they fucked up on the follow-up of man of steel i i would i didn't enjoy wonder woman in the least bit other than Gal Gadot. That, you're this a movie, fucking idiot. This movie did know, really no, nothing for me. And I agree with Andrew. That this is one of those things where if you look at the films here in, in the main list, the villains are just terrible. And like Ares as the bad guy, again, we had no idea who this bad guy was going into the lead up of this movie. It turns out to be one of the professors from fucking Harry Potter and the bad dude from Dread and the same bad dude from Dragonheart, for Christ's sake, who just it was silly i like gal gadot i mean don't get me wrong i love her she is fantastic and she does a great job as wonder woman but i just no, nothing clicked for me at all in this movie not the setting not the story not the execution just this one i had i oscillated between five and six i settled on five this one d- really did nothing for me except gal gadot who can i think move mountains what do you what do you Literally, think about think the literally. what do you think about the kind of relationship between her and chris pine in this movie i didn't i didn't even Meh. notice it <laughs> i didn't even know i didn't it was like what the fuck is this, this i thought it joke. this is a fucking joke Are you Cap- captain kirk's oh. you know gone back in time yeah <laughs> i thought they had I mean, I thought they had a great uh, chemistry between them because it wasn't... You, you had that kind of scene on the boat where they were just kind of having kind of idle chit-chat and it kind of got me more involved than than if it if that part wasn't in the movie. If it was just you know them meeting on the island, then them just going to London and them kind of feeling for each other. I kind of felt that that scene kind of played up a natural relationship between the two so and you know kind of say what you will about like chris pine kind of in star trek mode but i did think that i did like seeing them both together i mean i, mean, I, think, I will like, admit i enjoy, generally enjoy chris pine on screen though yeah i think he's okay I, th- I think blowing him up at the end of the film was basically a mercy for that actor it's like please don't make me do another one of these <laughs> dear god just blow me up it explode his plane exploded into a, a sign that said one movie contract. 
Oh, yeah. And he's thanking <laughs> his lucky stars. That's all he yeah. has to do. Yeah. He'll probably um, have to come back for flashback scenes. Who knows? They might even bring him back as like a fucking ghost Jedi in a, in a future movie. But um, in terms of the in terms of the villains of this kind of David Thewlis being like the surprise villain of Ares, I thought if you're to look at that in a vacuum, yeah, he's pretty weak. But for me, at least when I watched the movie, the overall theme was kind of Diana wanting to stab a bad guy that she feels is causing all the pain in the world. And the whole point of the movie is, oh, Ares is disguising himself as someone. So it's like a kind of a singular quest to stab one dude. And, and she stabs, stabs the, the wrong guy. Yes, she stabs the wrong dude because it's not that obvious which one it was. And then the whole, you know, David Thewlis did have some pretty uh, kind of tiring exposition about, you know, the nature of man or something like that. But I think as an overall theme, her looking to kill one guy and end everything, but finding out that the war is being caused by just mankind. I thought that was um, that was in line with the kind of bigger type of morals they're trying to show in most of the DC movies. I think that was very much uh, a very solid theme. That's why I ranked it as number two. You should have just turned into the werewolf from Harry Potter. It would have been a lot better character design than Death Dealer ripoff crap they gave us at the end of that film. Yeah, he was like, you see all those like Warhammer books and yeah. all of the, um, well, you know, you see all the jobs. That is Death Dealer. It's directly ripped off, even though down to the horns. Yeah, you see all those like Gears of War or Warhammer books where you see the giant suit of armor and you're trying to think like, oh, where's the where's the man fit in that? And that was, <laughs> in terms of design, that was uh, it was kind of rough. But I do think that it was. The grand, in the grand scheme of things, as like an antagonist, I thought they set up a good antagonist theme, even though he himself wasn't super great. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it kind of just the last, you know, 15 minutes or, or whatever, the, the big fight at the end, just, that's kind of where I went, meh. But other than that, I think I think they did a really good job with it. Yeah, it wasn't, um, you know, most of the Snyder movies have been kind of like deconstructions of, you know, Superman and Batman and like kind of, pushing the whole movies are about like pushing them to the edge wonder woman i think was more palpable for a lot of people because it was just it was kind of a simple portrayal and it still got that emotional core across yeah all right so next up on the list is thor ragnarok coming having come out november 3rd and this is first on my list i really had a lot of fun with this one i i enjoyed the humor i mean hello was kind of a whatever villain but my expectations for marvel villains are kind of low um and outside of that i mean a lot of the things that happened in that movie just i really got behind yeah something that i kind of really liked in this it just seemed like just a straight up great adventure movie where you take the hero and just put him in this weird setting in this case the freaking planet hulk which is crazy to think about how they made a sneaky planet hulk movie out of this but they straight up did a lot of the characters were from the series that came out forever ago but um i very much very like the kind of adventure feel to this movie where they were both kind of thor and loki were both kind of out of their elements uh thor got the short end of the stick and got, was a slave loki kind of connived his way up to being in the higher parts of this adventure and yeah kate blanchett was kind of your typical marvel villain nonetheless with kind of a cool powers and a look but i did like that there's one thing that i remember from the previous movies was that the whole main asgard theme was that it was built upon kind of vicious secrets that thor was trying to subvert and this one kind of showed every she was kind of a manifestation of that and i think we got a decent closing to those themes yeah i i, I did really enjoy the scene where Hello shows up and brings down the uh, fresco to reveal the other one underneath, you know, from when Odin Odin was in the I'm going to fuck up the universe mood. Right. And I don't know. I, I've i heard different things about Kate Blanchett. Some people say she looked goofy. Some people said she looks uh, really hot. I thought she was in, like, her emo armor. I thought that was a hell of a look. I never found... Kate Blanchett like really attractive until I saw her in that outfit in that the kind of look the kind of running eye line dark leather look I don't know I don't know how you guys felt felt about that when I saw her come on screen I laughed out loud she looked so stupid like that was the I didn't find this movie funny in the least however 
when I saw Kate Blanchett, I laughed the hardest because she looked so terrible. I'm, <laughs> I starting, to, she I'm just starting to look. wonder if you have a sense of humor anymore. I walk, I get paid for it. So I, I she walks out of this portal, and I, I just remember it was such a silly setup. I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Now this one in my list again oscillated in that bottom three because. They're, they're, they're not my bottom three are in no particular order and Thor just happens to be at the bottom one um there were some redeemable qualities to the film killing off those uh original three four buddy groupies that they had in the first movie without ceremony I was four because I thought they were a complete waste of screen time and probably craft services food they were uh, so them just going was fine um I still I don't understand Tom Hiddleston's appeal he's in every Thing. It feels like he's in everything, and I'm tired of seeing him. I never, I don't, him getting beat up by Tessa Thompson was fun to watch because I think she's great, and I thought she was great in this. Uh, I don't like, I've never liked Hulk, so I kind of just took that for what it was. And Chris is right, they did kind of squeeze Planet Hulk in there. That was fine. They had a fight that was uninteresting to watch. I, I Carl Urban was kind of goofy. I just really struggled to enjoy this movie sitting and watching it, partly because of the cast, partly because of the characters, because I didn't care for them. However, the rock dude was kind of cool. I it's crazy like to it's crazy to read, um, you know, because he was a character in the Planet Hulk stories. It's crazy to apparently he's uh, super old. He's been around a while. They just didn't give him a name until like recently. Right, and it's crazy to read. When I read those stories back in the day, I would have never thought that he was going to be like a straight up Flight of the Concords character. I thought it was <laughs> yeah. really funny. And um, but you, you mentioned before about Kate Blanchett being kind of kind of goofy in this. Is it? And I know you. You've kind of made your opinion very well known that you think the the Snyder movies are the kind of the best uh, kind of portrayals of of comic book movies right now. Is it that you don't like the kind of inherent comic book goofiness of these types of things, or partially well, yes? Yeah, because yeah, because this movie I thought kind of leaned into like the sort of goofier aspects of say like a Walt Simonson run where it had just, you know, kind of emotional moments, but it still had like the giant fire monster that we saw at the beginning and other stuff that you didn't see in this, like uh, beta Ray bill, a horse holding a Thor hammer. Well, yeah, I was and... going to say, I think part of that is, I mean, Chris, you and I are, are pretty heavy comic book readers. So we, we under, we just based on that fact, you and I accept goofiness in comic in comic book movies because we've read enough comics, especially super comics, comics that... of this, of this fran of this genre. Of, I, have, I, have a, I have a shelf full of comics also. It's just a completely different world. Right. But they're also, they're not making, yes, the point is they're not making comics out of the, what, out of, out of what you're reading. My point is. Oh God, no, they'd make $5. <laughs> right. Make but what I'm saying is, I'm saying is you haven't, you haven't read these comics and haven't chosen to read these comics. Absolutely. And because of that, you know, you don't have any kind of affinity towards, you know, this goofiness of the comics absolutely yeah yeah and i do think it's i personally think it's a good thing they leaned into this because like you watch like the original avengers movie and it was you know everyone has their different opinions of it but it worked very well but even that i feel didn't lean enough into this kind of goofiness which kind of attracted a lot of people to it to kind of kept keep reading um, well, yeah, I, I would mean, say they, they had to, they had to go they had to commit to this one you, you couldn't half ass it. Yeah, I I would say that this was a bigger type of Jack Kirby weird design inspired movie than the movie with the actual Jack Kirby characters in it. So just had that big colorful weird feel to it, and I'm kind of glad that they're kind of turning into this with a good tone. Yeah. All right. And last on our list is Justice League, which is sixth on my list. I mean, it wasn't, it's not nearly as bad as, as critical reviews are saying, but it's got some issues. I, I, I think, and, and the, I mean, to be perfectly honest, the box office is supporting that. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, that's, it's, that's clear. Getting creamed. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just destroyed. Um, I have this as two. Um, seriously? Really? Yeah. Because I forgot. Yeah. I have it as two because I really enjoyed the second half. Um, even though the villain's also stupid. And I readily admit the first half is awful. It makes no sense. When I'm going to start Henry having your Cavill, girlfriend drug test you. When Henry Cavill comes up on stage, what comes into screen, 
I think the movie shifts, and I, I gave credit in our last podcast to Whedon because he, I think he took over and reshot the second half, um, even though they had that goofy upper lip. Um, Henry Cavill really, to me, is Superman, and I agree with Chris that Snyder is a deconstructionist, and I'm I'm on board with that philosophy. Um, that that to me is the the interesting direction to take these characters. I, I want I wish that was a more popular viewpoint, but it's clearly not well no so um, so you're about 20 years behind everyone else because this was really popular in in actual comics like uh-huh. 20 years ago so a lot of comic book people are like okay we did this move the fuck on well yeah i mean i'm talking about just cinema no in, i know but i mean um but, 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 but the people who are were... who are watching these movies are also the people who a lot of them who read the comics so well, joe um i would say that i wouldn't say it's not a good trend because our i think most of your both uh, the number one movie for you and me logan was a straight up deconstructionist movie where it kind of got to the emotional core of logan uh i think the issue more is that that these types of movies like man of steel batman and superman that was the first shot out of the gate that we got whereas if we had a kind of a more uh kind of traditional movie like something not even traditional something kind of simpler and then got to the kind of the deconstruction we would have gotten well, who's something we? similar it's not because if you're just asking me of my personal opinion man of steel notwithstanding the nolan films is probably of the 21st century my favorite superhero film um not in in no small part because of how the society reacted to him, I found to be the most interesting. Now, that gets dumped away in Justice League. I understand that. Mm-hmm. And to me, it felt like they were trying to get back into the typical uh, formulaic stuff. Um, they definitely were, yeah. And they, they... It, it, bothered, it, it, it bothered me. However, there were character interactions that I really enjoyed in it, most notably Batman utterly dressing down Wonder Woman at, at a few times in the movie which I thought were fantastic. And Superman just dicing the Justice League was very satisfying to watch. Hashtag epic headbutt. That was so satisfying to look at. Um, other than that, I mean, look, it's, I, I agree with Andrew. There's flaws. I'm not going to say it was a good movie, but I walked out of it satisfied, which is not a feeling I walk out of most of these movies with. I tend to come out either grumpy or disappointed or trying to think of something else to change my mind. I walked out of Justice League just rerunning that headbutt over and over and over over again in my head because what I I love about the Zack Snyder films is the impact of violence is so visceral. Like when I compare it to, for instance, Thor, the fight between Thor and Hulk is to me so silly and unimpactful and uninteresting that but the violence in the Snyder films or the Snyder Whedon film is just visceral and I feel it and I get excited and I want to watch more of it. Felt the same way about Logan. I, I, I don't feel the other way is about this movie. So I will never say Justice League or Batman vs. Superman were even good films. I found them just to be satisfying. I certainly was more satisfied coming out of Justice League than I was uh, Batman and Superman, which I should say that I did end up watching the ultimate cut of Batman and Superman. It took me three days because it was three goddamn hours. <laughs> three yeah, goddamn intense. hours but it i had a lot of criticisms with batman v superman but now that i watched this one of those criticisms isn't anymore uh is not a move is not a cohesive move no no or I, is not a- I, I i i um i watched it with some co-workers um about a year after it came out in, in theaters the the extended cut and uh, yeah it it significantly improves the coherent coherent cohesive nature there we go cohesive nature of the film can i just say how crazy it just to now i'm gonna mention my opinions on justice league in a second can i just say how crazy it was in uh batman and the ultimate cut of batman and superman how at the beginning of a kind of mass-produced big supposed to appeal to all ages superhero movie how one of the first scenes we see is a pile of toasted dead bodies how fucking crazy that is oh that's awesome now i have to see it <laughs> oh for, my god for now i want to see that's like now i want to watch it oh yeah because that's it's start- awesome why can't we do that more often god that'd be cool <laughs> yeah see you? see i'm just i don't need that ex- like excessive gritty violence oh I mean, 
Because there are movies I can go see that have that. I can go watch Saving Private Ryan. I can go watch a Tarantino film. Uh, if I day. want if I want that violence, yeah. I'll go watch those movies. If that's not what I go to watch superhero movies for. Mario, yeah. Hell or Cause, High Water. Gosh. Because it's just like, it's crazy that they, they took it out of the movie, but that pile of toasted bodies was the freaking, the, the, the catalyst to move everything ahead. Because if you watch the original cut of the movie, it's just kind of like, oh, Superman did some bad stuff in, uh, in the Middle East. I don't think we trust him anymore. But in th in this movie, it's like Superman toasted a pile of bodies, and it's kind of more. That's you'd genius. Why did I? I should have. I should watch this. My stuff. other my other problem with Batman versus Superman is just is the guy who plays Lex Luthor. I just I, I can't believe it. <laughs> you just hate Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> well, it, I don't. It's, I mean, yes, I don't like Jesse Eisenberg, but even more to the point, they they portrayed Lex Luthor as basically a slightly evil um, Mark Zuckerberg. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like Austin Powers. You know, not evil enough. I, I can't believe this movie came out last year because like we're still, it's still eliciting conversation, uh, and it's only been a year, so that's just. I, am, I think I'm still ga game game for shanking shanking people over it. I don't necessarily <laughs> but... need the violence in the movie, but I'll I'll commit violence over the movie. But um, but like comparing this to Justice League, <laughs> but like comparing this to Justice League, I thought Justice League was you know perfectly cromulent movie. You know, I felt like it was finally DC's answer to the Avengers from a Marvel movie from like five years ago. Yeah, it was like, like seven, kind of a, seven years after the fact. Yeah, and it just feels like it felt. I I thought it was good. I felt like it was kind of a B grade uh, DC animated universe episode. Like doesn't rank. It doesn't rank with say like something like Heart of Ice or Robin's Reckoning or whatever. But like an enjoyable episode nonetheless that you'd want to see uh on like saturday mornings but you know, it did feel it did feel like uh kind of a delayed reaction to this big phenomena that happened many many years ago i did like the introduction of all the new characters i thought that um you know because we've seen you know you know batman superman wonder woman before uh in these movies have a good feel for them but everyone just had a really likable portrayal of all the characters i loved aquaman as like a trash boy yeah just just be like a whiskey soaked uh kind of devil may care type of guy yeah they had to uh, tread really carefully there just because especially when it came to like cyborg no one in the general public knows who the f that guy is like at all and and they they kind of poured him into the movie slowly and i thought that was kind of smart um yeah, although, I think the again, general public will... again I, I disagree with you they've in the last couple of years knowing they're leading to this film they've made a concerted effort to get cyborg out there like he's in kids cartoons not now in the general and... public yeah in the general public he's not on kids cartoons public. no that's not that's a small small group i somewhat who who came at me with that oh cyborgs and teen titans not good enough not good i mean we're talking about a very especially a movie with this kind of budget uh who well, i didn't say it's a, to i didn't say it's enough but i think it's people. better than you think it is yeah not even close Oh, I'd, I'd compare Cyborg being in that Teen Titans cartoon to kind of what happened after the kind of main Justice League cartoon that came out. I think around the same time as Teen Titans. I don't exactly remember when, Not but uh, John Stewart... John Stewart was the kind of Green Lantern in that movie. And that was the Green Lantern a lot of people grew up with, so much to the fact that I think some people were uh, kind of confused why he wasn't cast when Ryan Reynolds was cast in the Green Lantern movie. So these do have kind of, you know, people connect to these properties through the car these cartoons, especially one that was on like cartoon on cartoon network so understand what i'm saying i'm not saying that right yeah. what i'm talking about is the size of the populations that see the cartoons vice the population that is expected to see the film the the the, the, the we're talking orders of magnitudes in terms of difference of populations and the vast majority of middle America, the people who are expected to try and see these movies will absolutely be familiar with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, to an extent, Aquaman and Flash, and actually did enjoy the Flash in this one. I thought he was actually making him kind of Jewish and autistic. I thought it was a great step, but Cyborg, I don't see it. Okay. I don't, I just, well, I don't then, think it then really... you're wrong. I mean, <laughs> I'm not. I'm the f fuck off. No, well, fuck you, even... you're wrong. Eat my fucking ass. No, how many people grew up with Batman the Animated Series? How What What percentage of the population? Most of our fucking generation. Well, guess what? Followed shortly thereafter was Justice League, so kids maybe 
three, four years younger than we are, grew up with that. They know Cyborg. They don't know him well, but they know him better than you think. No, I like you. 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 That is a huge fucking assumption on your point. Yeah, some people watch Batman the animated series. That's absolutely true, and they know Batman, who's again a cultural touchstone. Cyborg's not that. He never was, and maybe one day he will be, but Teen Titans didn't make him that. If you do any Man on the Street interview and you compare, hey, you know who Batman is? Hey, you know who Cyborg is? Well, no fucking shit. That's my point, and it will be a very wide goddamn motherfucking margin. I don't even think it really matters too much because it's like... I, no, I think Cy- movie. I said it poured him out properly because yeah. the general public doesn't know who he is. That is a statement of fucking fact. It's a statement of your goddamn opinion, you fucker. <laughs> but like, if you would com- if you would compare like this to say like Guardians of the Galaxy that didn't even have that type of portrayal outside of the movies, people connected to that just well, just fine. So it's. Yeah, it's just all about how they're portraying it in the movies, because, like, the only thing you've really ever seen from Guardians of the Galaxy in the modern sense was the kind of Abnett and Landing series that was coming out, and no one, you know, much less people were reading that than were seeing, like, the Teen Titans cartoon, and, you know, it touched off a new kind of... No, don't get me wrong, the the marketing for the original Guardians of the Galaxy was fantastic, they did a... Great job with it. Man, I I'm love not going to deny how good the marketing was for them. Man, that Abnett Landing series was good. Oh yeah, it's 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 it I was know, it so got, good. It got you through the dark days of Civil War, because <laughs> <laughs> it was happening like completely outside of Civil War, and because it came out on time. Oh yeah, that was the <laughs> that was the big event that was like feeling big at the time. That was uh, the first Annihilation, I believe. Yes. that was happening. Yeah, that was a that's a great series. I gotta reread that because it's it's like I was saying before. It's crazy to read that series and see because you would have never expected uh star lord to be kind of chris from parks and rec you would have never had that read of the character but now now you might i don't know yeah i mean i've got a hard i gotta go back and read it again too because i've got a hard time picturing star lord as anything but chris pratt and unfortunately the bendis run didn't do anything to dissolve me of that well that came kind of drawing them like their characters we were walking past this giant fucking comic book store and and like you're walking past and there's these giant posters of the characters and you look at it and go, well, there's Scarlett Johansson. There's Chris Hemsworth. There's Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I think they're like, there's Mark Ruffalo kind of fat and green. I think like, they just, they look <laughs> like them now. I think Robert Downey Jr. And Chris Pratt are probably the two biggest ones for that one. Cause yeah, they make Iron Man look like, like uh, Robert Downey Jr. And they make Chris oh. Pratt look like uh, or uh, Star Lord look, look like Chris Pratt. Yeah. Most when, consistently um... anyways. Yeah, when the first Iron Man came out, the series they released, uh, the comic book series they released along that, uh, the Invincible Iron Man had an artist who's a very type of photorealistic artist. Photo-referencing. Oh, yeah. Um, don't, I think it was Salvador LaRocca that was doing it. But that sounds about right. He, yeah, but he was, like, right at that time, it was kind of Tony Stark from here on out. It was, it was like, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark from here on out. Yeah. All right. Anyone else have anything else? Uh, honorable mentions. Lego Batman, Power Rangers. Uh, Lego Batman was cute. Got out of hand at the end, <laughs> but I thought it was cute. It got really out of hand Yes, at the it end. did. Oh, good God, did uh, it ever. Power Rangers was okay. Not great. Somebody made a really good point about Power Rangers that I didn't pick up upon watching it, is that the movie Power Rangers is a series of cliches that don't deliver. Um, and that's actually, uh, upon reviewing, like, playing the movie back in my head, you look at scenes where uh, they're trying to outrun the train in the van. It's like, oh, they're going to just beat the train. Nope, the train fucking hits the van pretty hard. Or Elizabeth Banks captures the Yellow Ranger. It's like, oh, they're going to set up a traitor sequence when they rescue the Yellow Ranger and they rescue her. And she goes, ah, oh, no, she tried to turn me like just that fucking with cliches i gave it a lot of credit for um didn't do very well at the box office if i remember correctly so we're probably not gonna get another one no it did pretty terribly at the box office so it ha- it, when i saw the trailer for that movie it just kind of gave off that uh kind of michael bay stink and i was just wondering if that's i wouldn't go impression. that far no i don't think i'd go that far. there weren't nearly enough explosions for michael bay no or yeah, cross but... cuts or slow yeah. motion or like people standing there stoically with a helicopter in slow motion going past them in a sunset yeah None i think it yeah i think from the trailers i got that impression that those were going to be in there but like the designs of the power ranger outfits and um just kind of what we saw like the action scenes that we were seeing i was kind of getting a discount michael bay the action scenes were pretty terrible like admittedly they were 
they were pretty bad. Like, just them karate fighting giant rock monsters looked <laughs> stupid. The Zords yeah. actually kind of were pretty cool. Why they dumped the Mastodon for a fucking beetle is beyond me, but... That's weird, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I mean, the, you know, the original series, even though I think we are all of the age where Power Rangers kind of was what was being aimed at us, you know, the fight scenes in the original one were not so great either. Yeah, but they were, they were Japanese stuntmen in suits. They were, they were better. <laughs> they were better than what we were seeing on Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> My mom used to watch Walker, Texas Ranger all the time. She's like, I it's, mean, so, Grant, she's like, it's no so thrilling, but it's just No one like... got kicked into the sun, but, you know, in Power Rangers, but they were better. But that's yeah. it. I think that's the only honorable mentions I have. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, as we're talking about, so real quick, a rundown, just, I mean, we gave our orders, but in terms of uh, the box office, so, and this is, I'm just pulling the films kind of as they, as they come. So Wonder Woman with 412 million, Guardians 2 with 389, Spider-Man Homecoming, 334, Thor Ragnarok, 306, Logan, 226, Justice League, 219, uh, those are our top six, and then way the fuck down at 85 million was Power Rangers. Ouch. Yeah, Power Rangers that, is, that, that, Power Rangers is 34, Power Rangers is 34th for the year. And it's it was crazy, because it had an opening weekend of something like 40? Uh, I want to say it was like 17, I don't want to say it was awful. It's, it opened, it's opening weekend was 17? No, I'm sorry, opening weekend was 40. That's the what se- I thought. The second yes. weekend was 14. Yes, that's what I'm getting at, is the drop-off was immense. Yeah, that it's crazy to it's crazy to think about you know we're talking about Justice League and how that had kind of a disappointing box office opening of like ninety seven million and that just ended up being the total gross for Power Rangers. That's that's a yeah. that's a shot in the dick right well, there. That was the thing with Justice League is they were aiming for one forty and I think the initial tracking came out and usually it goes up as a movie comes out so like okay so we're gonna predict 140 and then we'll move up to like 160 or 150 and it didn't fucking move at all yeah and then they start to adjust it down and then down further there's some down further but then there was this guy there's some guru who was like pre-sales are awful and then that just crashed the numbers the following day because that's really what did it and that was the key when they when they released the no one is buying pre-sale tickets like yeah they're done yeah crashed yeah, I do like that, you know, I think when previous DC movies come out, you have these like just insane conspiracy theorists that are like, oh, well, Disney's paying the uh, Disney's paying the critics to to, to sh- bad talk of these DC movies. And with this whole thing with DC, with uh, Disney and the L.A. Times fiasco, you can't they absolutely don't have a leg to stand on anymore with that conspiracy theory. It was just. Oh, no, DC no fans are weird about that. that. That's the thing that I don't get is well, their fans they've are... Gotten, they've gotten so defensive. I think it's just after Marvel's been so successful yeah. and DC was so slow out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, the, for a while, they were, you know, they were doing their own thing with the Nolan Nolan stuff. And, I mean, from a, a box office standpoint, they probably should have just rolled the rest of the DC universe into the Nolan universe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, DC's so far behind in in getting in getting into everything that just anytime things don't go well, they they have to have a reason. And the crazy thing about all of this is that Justice League was a Marvel movie. It was a Marvel movie from like five years ago, and people are still kind of weird about it, like kind of giving the same defense, like oh, it's something different, and it's like it's the most Marvel movie they've ever put out. Yeah, sure. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, you know, they got Whedon. <laughs> I was gonna say, I mean, yeah. I didn't, I didn't particularly care a whole lot for Batman versus Superman, but it was different. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did anyone? Um, how did? Uh, just to jump, just very quickly onto Justice League. How did? Did anyone feel like there was like a jarring divide between the Joss? Uh, vision and the Snyder vision while watching this movie? Not really, because I don't think he... They didn't take Snyder's direct... They didn't take Snyder's name off as director. And to do that, you have to... In order to have put Whedon's name on it, he has to film a certain percentage of the movie. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it was as big as I think some people were expecting or or said. There's a clear difference between between them, but it's not jarring the way I think some people were expecting it. And it's just, 
you know, reshoots. It's really that's really what it boiled down. It was just reshoots. It's not that big of a a shift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if you... they had taken Snyder's name off the film or added Whedon as a coder or some sort of something else, then I think there's a little more purchase to that argument. Yeah, people keep calling for the uh, the the Zack Snyder cut, and I'm like, I don't think it's going to be this amazing thing that you think it's going to be. I don't think so either. Yeah, I mean. It'll probably just replace all the scenes where we see, like, Superman's freaking cartoon lip. But uh, besides that, I mean, it's, uh, well, I, mean, it's, I don't it's, know. It's not like Zack Snyder got fired. He, like, he left for personal reasons, but, like, he was a phone call away. Like, I, I, I feel like he's probably he was probably still involved. Um, I don't know that to be the case because... Yes, he got away for personal reasons, but I'll have to dig it up. I feel like the rumors were that he was essentially disempowered from from the franchise in post-production already. Um, I will have to hunt that. I don't know that to be true entirely. I will hunt that information down, and if, if I can find it, I'll share it with you. But I do remember the rumors were like, you know, he's already been kind of taken out of Final Cut, and then when he left for personal reasons, that was just kind of the nail that sealed it. Yeah, I think this was uh, a Suicide Squad situation on a much less drastic scale where Snyder made his movie the executives were kind of uh this we gotta kind of maximize our profits and yeah. kind of made the movie where that they thought everyone wanted to see uh with all the by justice the way, by the way Suicide Squad did way better than Justice League when it came no out. way way when, yes when Holy it came, when it comes crap. to the box office yeah it did box, yeah by the about, by about 100 million yeah. Yeah. Suicide oh. Squad bizarrely pulled in like 300, 350 million domestically. It was weird. Opening weekend was like 140 something, uh, maybe high 130s. And it, it turned a profit, a slightly less profit than Batman vs. Superman. But only Suicide, like Suicide Squad was in that like X Men colon Origins colon Wolverine type of situation where the movie is absolute trash, but there's enough goodwill that people will still go see it in droves. And. But what that does is that kind of kills any forward momentum of movies going forward. So you have like X-Men First Class, which was an actual good movie that pulled really badly. Yeah, so really Suicide Squad had a pretty hard had a pretty hard drop, like 67.5%. I think what it was, yeah. I mean, that, and that's tradition. That's, yeah, the, the superhero movies will have historically no legs. They will be, they will be between 50 and 60% in most cases. Yeah, but I mean, that, what I think that's still on the high the, end, though. What I think is the case is with the DC, Warner Brothers movies is there was such a bad taste in people's mouths from Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad that Justice League really really suffered. I think most of the general public were willing to give BVS and Super and Suicide Squad a chance and they really turned out for it in those first attempts because I think they both came out the same year within a couple months of each other and the, we had another year they had Wonder Woman and people liked it but no one was willing to give Batman the Superman Justice League thing a chance they were just kind of done and that's basically what happened is everyone went in with the oh let's give this a shot this will be good and now I think they they have expectations and they don't their expectations are bad so they're gonna really if Warner Brothers wants to recapture the spark they're gonna need like a whole new new outlook and a whole new marketing attempt to try and bring those people back probably going to kind of drill into kind of what what made wonder woman such a big success i think i mean i can't i couldn't tell you what the, their next step is going to be because I, I, I don't just, even i'm just curious to see what it's gonna be it's binge drinking like, that's the next step because like they don't have a plan really d uh, warner brothers like they they have some of aquaman shot but like well i think they had a plan and then things have gone poorly and they're trying yep. to scramble to fix the plan yep. I mean, marvel has a plan but since marvel's plan has gone well for them they haven't needed to deviate all that much yeah it, it's so difficult to do and and the fact that marvel's pulled it off so well is going to really go down as an accomplishment in film history I, it's just this will be studied for years that a studio was able to keep an entire fan base for, you know, almost two decades uh, and keep them close, you know, even with a couple low points here and there, keep them, keep them where it mattered so that they make a bunch of money. You know, we've seen other fr people try and pull this one off, you know, with Sony trying to make franchises. Warner Brothers desperately wants one, you know. It's hard to do. It's really, really hard to do. The, the, the film-going public is very fickle. They don't go to movies the way they used to. So, 
you better be able to bring them out, make them make them spend their money and make them feel like it's worth it. And you have to have a brand that people are going to rely on. And right now, Warner Brothers brand isn't reliable. Generally speaking, it's not reliable. You know, if the people go, oh, a new Marvel movie's coming out. Oh, let's check it out. Marvel's usually pretty good. That's, that's generally how they think about it. Oh, new DC movie's coming out. Okay. Is it Wonder Woman? No. Nah, I'll wait. And that's generally what I think happens. Because they got burned in BVS and Suicide Squad hard enough to like, fuck, I'm, we're not doing this shit again. Me, on the other hand, I just keep going back for more. Because you're a sadist, that's why. Masochist, Chris. Masochist. Yeah. Because cause I think we, I think you and I had this discussion one time. I think it was when we were at Disney. We were in the, the Star Wars section, and um, we were talking about how you didn't really like the new Star Wars, any of the Star Wars movies. I was like, well, you're not going to, you're obviously going to sit out The Last Jedi, right? And you're like, no, I'm going to do it. No, I'm gonna yeah, see no, it. I just, I, again, fucking it's, insane. <laughs> it's insane. No, it's pure insanity because I see movies. That's one of the things I do. Right. I just see movies, but I'm not typical in that case. It's, I'm just talking about the general public. Like, I still see movies the way the general public saw movies 35 years ago, like once a week. Like more often than you saw movies more often than you went to church. I forgot what article I read. People are seeing movies like they go to the doctor now four or five times a year. You know, no one's seeing kind of little movies anymore. They're showing up on Netflix now, which is I think they're going to be their permanent home. Those kind of permanent uh, character dramas. I think looking forward, it's going to be these big freaking movies with a big freaking theater experience and you better have some level of brand loyalty or brand reputation to pull these people in. Yeah, I think John Waters pretty recently was talking about how tough it is to make a movie that's not low budget, but not like Transformers level budget, kind of like the middle ground that he oh, yeah, made. I think he's entirely so, right. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's absolutely 100% right. Because I think he's, right he's now... He's right, it's push- just so hard to take John Waters seriously. Because <laughs> he's a crazy person. Baltimore native, but he's a crazy person. Yeah. But you'll see them on Netflix. We just watched one last night. It was... um, It had a great cast. It had, like, Vincent D'Onofrio, had Tim Allen, it had Red from that 70s show. It was all... It was a, it was a Christmas movie. But you're like, this would have been a major feature film in 1997. You know, probably with a different cast. But the plot was like, oh, but now it's going to Netflix. Or Hulu, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's probably where we're at with that. Just more explosions. More explosions! <laughs> uh, and on got... Netflix, we're going to have hallway fighting for our first superhero stuff. Yeah, uh, I think I think that, that covers pretty well everything. So, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com. Check out our blog post and our podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. So, once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Duder. And I'm your buddy, Chris. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.